Everyone who sins also commits lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he was revealed to take away our sins, and no sin is in him. Whoever remains in him doesn't sin. Whoever sins hasn't seen him and doesn't know him. Little children, let no one lead you astray. He who does righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. To this end, the Son of God was revealed, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever is born of God doesn't commit sin, because his seed remains in him, and he can't sin, because he is born of God. In this, the children of God are revealed, and the children of the devil. Whoever doesn't do righteousness is not of God, neither is he who doesn't love his brother. All right, well, morning, guys. It's good to see you guys. You guys might have no noticed my outfit here. This was given to me uh, by, uh, well, anyone who knows Prince Will who goes to this church, uh, Nigerian, and his brother, Stanley, gave me this. So we, I was hanging out with them last, uh, last weekend. We were just kind of talking and all that stuff. And, and I was asking Prince, like, how come you don't dress like your brother? He looks sharp, you know, and, you know, when he comes to church, and he's like, ah, that's, that's him. We got different, out, you know, different styles. And so his brother was like, hold on, you know. So he goes, like, in the back, because he, he was staying with him. And um, he goes in the back of his room, comes out a couple minutes later, and he brings out this, like, this, uh, this outfit. And it was, like, in this clear packaging, like, like you get off the shelf at JCPenney or something like that. And it's all folded all beautifully. And he's like, here, try this on. And so I go back into his room, put it on, and come out. And I'm like, okay. It's not the best fit, but not too bad. So, But I feel like... Uh, this is like they're here this morning, but I feel like ever since I told Prince that I was, like, found out I was, had like 30% Nigerian DNA, he's like, he's like trying to get me to become Nigerian or something. <laughs> so, so he's like, no longer is your name Derek, you're now Tunde, and you're going back to Nigeria to take on your, your rightful spot. No, he never said that, but uh, if, if, you guys, if you guys are watching, Stanley, thank you for the outfit. It's really cool as fly, and I got a chance to use some cufflinks that my mother-in-law gave me that used to be her father's, so... It's pretty cool. So I'm feeling it. It's comfortable, though. Um, so just in case you guys are wondering, what's he trying to do? It's like, <laughs> I'm not getting militant. I'm not trying to go back to anything. So, But it, it's cool. Anyhow, so as you guys know, we've been doing this great series this summer with, uh, in the book of First John. And so we're just continuing on with this. And I find it kind of interesting because I, I did choose these passages. Like last time I taught, I was teaching about like Antichrist and stuff like that. So now, this time I'm t talking about like children of the devil and stuff like that. So <laughs> I did kind of choose this not thinking that, but as I was studying out, I was like, wow, this is kind of what it is. And so the Apostle John is like really like, like bringing down the gauntlet. So let's uh, dive in here and uh, let's see what he's talking about here in these passages here. So in 1 John chapter 3, verse 4, and he says, everyone who sins breaks the law, that's the law of God. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that he, that is Christ, appeared so that he might take away our sins. And in him is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. And so we've got to ask ourselves, what is sin? And um, 
it's, I mean, it's pretty, we think about sin, we think about, you know, just bad stuff that people do, and, and it's also, we know it's the problem with the world. You know, and it comes from this Greek term, which is uh, our, uh, amartia, or hamartia, which basically just means to miss the mark, come up short, you know, shortcomings and all that stuff. We also know it's like an inherent defect, a flaw that's, you know, that's, that's wrong with people. Uh, it also means to err. You guys ever heard that, um, that, um, that uh, quote from the uh, English, 18th century English poet, Alexander Pope? And it's like, uh, to err is human. And I think the other part is like, to forgive is divine or something like that. But it just means like to go astray, to be mistaken, to be incorrect, to go astray morally. Uh, you, the other part is like error, wrong state, wrong state of mind, wrong state of the soul. So that's basically what sin is. And we're gonna kind of keep with this, this with meaning Mr. Mark. We always come up short to where we should be. And we know in Romans chapter three, verse 23, and it says, for all have sinned, all fall short of the glory of God. So falling short of the glory of God is that we gotta remember that God made us into his image to be like him, to be, to imitate his divine nature. And so apparently when sin entered us, we come up short. We come up short to where his standards are, to where his nature is. So that's, that's basically what sin is. So there's basically like three different aspects from the Bible of what sin is. One of them is like this lifestyle of lawlessness. So the verse there talks about lawlessness. So what is lawlessness? It is basically the disregard of the laws of God. It's this rebellion towards the way of God. It's this rejection as God is the ruler of our lives. It's like being like this outlaw. We're like Billy the Kid, you know, we're just kind of doing our own thing and going our own way. It's this lawlessness. So it's like this lifestyle of rejecting what God's standards are, what his law is. The other part of it, the aspect of it is transgression. So just like the action that we do, when you transgress, it means you choose to intentionally disobey. You willfully are trespassing. You're going, you're crossing the line to where you should go. You're kind of, I think another um, definition, definition is like trans transgressing is kind of like veering from where you should be. So you're just going off that path. And so it's like when we knowingly run a stop sign or when we knowingly lie or if we blatantly disregard authority, we're trespassing. That's what, that's what that is. And then the third aspect is iniquity. This is like the mindset, the attitude of the heart. This iniquity is like this craving to sin. It's like you're, you're thinking about it all the time. You're plotting it. You're, you're just, it's just your thought pattern. You're just the sinful thoughts, sinful mind. And that's, you're going to continue to do, live this way without repentance. So that's that iniquity. So lawlessness, transgression, and iniquity. These are the three different aspects of sin. So we're not really talking about sin, but I just want to kind of, we are talking about sin, but I just want to give you those, that thought of it's basically missing the, law, missing the mark, it's lawlessness, it's this transgression, it's this iniquity that's basically poisoned mankind, it's the thought, the, thoughts, the thought mindset of mankind, and it's the problem with the world. The problem with the world is sin. So looking at verse 5, we see, but we know that he, Christ, appeared so that we might take away, that he might take away our sins and no sin is in him. And so we can pull this from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, talking about how Christ is, there's no sin in him. God made him, Christ, 
who had no sin to be sin, that it's like a sin offering for us, so that, if, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And in 1 Peter 2, verse 24, it says, He, Christ, himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds we have been healed. So Christ is sinless. He's this one who has appeared, as we know, and as we talked about, as we looked back, looked back in this letter, that Christ is God. He's God came in the flesh. He came on this earth to live for us, to teach us, to direct us to the truth of who God is, who we are in God, and the way we should go. Because his whole purpose is to bring us back to what he initially wanted to do back in Eden when the world was right, when everything was ordered, there was no chaos, but sin brought chaos. And so Christ came to bring everything back in order. So he's sinless, and Jesus came to abolish sin, to do away with this thing that has poisoned and disrupted God's God's will for humanity and, and the world that we live in today. And so what happens is that Jesus comes and he's doing like this transfusion. He, he imputes, he basically attributes, assigns righteousness to us. He's like, let me take your sin and I'm going to give you my righteousness. And so that's what he's doing. That's his whole purpose. That's his, that's his way of destroying the works of the devil. And so we can read about that in Romans 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 9, it says, but you, have not control, but you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. And Christ lives within you, so even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. And then earlier in this letter that we're reading, uh, with the Apostle John here in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, it says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will give us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Amen. So this is the work that Jesus does. He came. He was manifested. He came to do away with this thing that has plagued, uh, the plague, this has plagued us, that has plagued the world, and to take our sins. So let's look at uh, verse 6. And it says, no one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. So we had already read earlier in this letter, you know, John had talked about how, you know, all of us have sinned. If we say that we have no sin, we lie. Uh, you read about that in 1 John chapter 1, verse 8. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So, so it kind of sounds like we're kinda, he's kind of contradicting himself. And he said it again in, uh, in chapter 1, verse 10. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out, him being God, out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. So he's not contradicting himself. He's talking about, first of all, we know, and we also looked at uh, in Romans, every, everyone has fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have sinned. All of us have sinned. And so what he's saying here, yes, we have sinned, but he's talking about someone who keeps on sinning, who has this lifestyle this continuation to sin and to want to do it. And so that's what he's talking about. So if we are remaining in Christ and living in his ways, then we will turn from that life of sin and then we start wanting to not want to sin. So we get this attitude of beginning to take on his nature. When we abide and live and remain in Christ, we begin to want to be like him. So you are who you hang out with, right? So if you're hanging out with people who are a good influence on you, you tend to 
you know, have a better influence in life. You hang out with people who have a bad influence on you, you tend to have a, that kind of influence. You are who you hang out with. So, and you are what you spend time doing. You are what you spend time thinking about. And so that's, that's what that is. And so that's that iniquity we're talking about. If you're thinking about stuff that is sinful all the time, that's what you're going to do. That's what you're craving. That's what you're, that's what you're about. But anyone who continues to sin is a person who, who lives a habitually sinful life. And that's what we call them a sinner. So they don't know Jesus. They don't have any knowledge of what he's like. They don't know his true nature. And so they don't continue to seek God. They don't continue to, they don't have any desire to even live uh, like Jesus because they don't know him. So in the same letter, John says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 3, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. So that's it. That is knowing Christ. Knowing Christ is keeping his commands. What are his commands? Well, we're going to learn about that a little bit. So a sinner has no desire to do what Jesus says. They don't know him. They don't know his character. They don't know his will. And they, they have no regard to, to do so. And so they just kind of keep on. So what is a sinner? A sinner is someone who has the desire not to be sanctified. And so they, they don't want to be made holy. They don't want to be made righteous. They just want to do what they want to do. And so they don't want to live by God's standards or God's nature, which is good and perfect. God's nature is good and perfect. That's who he is. They don't want that. So I said the sinful nature, the sinner, is just self-centered. And, and we know this. This is not, this is like uh, preaching to the choir because we all, we're all human. We know, we know what our thoughts are like. But it's self-centered. That's what the sinful nature is. Self-centered and it's self-seeking and it's self-righteous and it's self-destructive. So if we're self-seeking, we're only seeking what we want to do. We want to seek only what builds us up. We want to seek what benefits us. If we're self-righteous, we're, we're thinking about what's right to us. So we, we all have our own form of righteousness, right? But God's righteousness is a whole other standard. Our righteousness is nothing. It's, uh, it's twisted. And so we're going to get into that in a little bit too. And self-destruction. So the sinful nature is the self-destruction of some of us just, you know, we have problems in life, and so we cover it up through substance abuse, alcohol, or we, we have these, uh, this lust to uh, always want to, you know, go out sexually and conquest and do all these things. And so we, a lot of times it's just the desire to do it, and a lot of times it's just trying to cover up the pain that we have, this, uh, this suffering that we have, because as the sinners, our life is, is a struggle. And not because of the sin that we do, but also because of the sin that other people do to us. And so this is the problem with sin. Sin is not just us doing wrong or doing bad or falling short of God's righteousness, but it's also you're trespassing in other people's lives. Whenever you're imposing what you want onto other people, you are sinning. You know, so that's, it's a, it's a bad thing. So sin doesn't only affect us, but it affects the people around us because that lifestyle is destructive. Let's look at uh, verse 7. So, dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as he, Christ, is righteous. So he starts out this with, again, and you see this a lot with, with John, the Apostle John's letters, uh, with Apostle Paul, with all the other apostles, and even Jesus. Hey, don't let anyone fool you. Don't let, don't let anyone deceive you. Don't let anyone lead you astray. They're always trying to get their listener to say, look, you know, this is the truth. What other people are trying to tell you that's different, contrary to what Jesus and what we're telling you, 
Don't let anyone tell you anything different than that. Because here John and the apostles are saying, look, we, we were with Christ. We hung out with him. We were in his ministry. We saw him. He taught us firsthand. We know exactly what he said. We know the truth. And so this is what he's trying to convey to them. And so we can kind of think of these, there was definitely people in the church at that time, in the early church, that were kind of thinking differently, kind of talking contrary to what Jesus would have, would have taught and what the truth is. Um, and we know about maybe there's people like the Nicolaitans, which are mentioned twice in the book of Revelation. And there was, these, there was these, this, this, this group of people who would go about and say, okay, yeah, we're free of, you know, of sin, you know, we're free in Christ, we can do whatever, right? We can continue and uh, uh, participate in pagan rituals and we can sexual immorality and all that kind of stuff. We're free from sin, it's all good. And so kind of lowering the standards of being a Christian. And then you see about when Jesus is giving the word to the churches in the book of Revelation, he talks about the Nicolaitans. He talks about how he hates their deeds. So just keep that in mind. So this is kind of the mindset maybe that the Apostle John is kind of putting forth here. It's like, look, don't let anyone tell you different than what we're telling you here. Because he's saying that, look, the one who does what is right is righteous, just as Christ is righteous. So don't, be trying to tell, don't let anyone tell you anything different. So the practice righteousness is it's like practicing to be like Christ. This is the path we are to be on as Christians. So what is righteousness? So basically righteousness is doing right in God's eyes, not in our own eyes, doing right to God's standards and having an attitude and a mindset centered around God and his ways and his nature. It's not about being legalistic. So we think about, oh, we gotta follow all these different laws, all these different rules. And that's the problem though, because a lot of people come into the church and they're thinking they gotta follow all these different rules. Hey, what, what do I gotta do to get to heaven? What, what is the tricks, what, I, what path do I gotta walk? And it's kind of this man-made religion that we kinda, and that's why a lot of people fall away because they're trying to, oh, I can't, I can't meet that, I can't do that. And that's right, you can't. You can't meet the standards of God, you can't. And so we're gonna find out why. And so when we, when we think about that, when we think about the righteousness, righteousness being a legalistic thing, we miss the point. We miss the point that, we're missing the point that we're ignoring the essence of God's nature. Because when God is revealing to us his laws, revealing to us his commands, revealing to us, he's revealing to us his nature, who he is. And he's not trying to say, hey, look, be like me and follow these rules. He's trying to say, look, know me and walk with me and let me parent you. I'm your father, I made you, I love you. I have plans for you forever, not just now, but forever. And so let me show you this. But when we kind of come to the point where we're trying to think about us as a bunch of rules and a bunch of standards to follow, that's when it begins to be faulty. And that's what the law did. The law shows, the law of God shows that we can't meet those standards. Um, righteousness is also the divine quality bestowed upon us by God when we believe and follow Jesus Christ. And when we live a life of righteousness, we are expressing our love and gratitude to God for his love and his grace. So we live righteously, not just to try to do the, thing, the right thing. We're not just trying to get to heaven, because that shouldn't, that shouldn't be the reason why we live righteously. But we do it because we thank God that he loves us, that he's shown us grace, that he's shown us mercy, and that he's called us his children, he called us his own, that he created us for a purpose, not a purpose to control us, not, a, not to destroy us, but to have us be his children whom he loves, and he wants, to, he wants us to experience an eternal existence with him forever in all goodness. And so when we get that mindset, then we can begin to realize that. And then we just begin to do 
and act in righteousness because we want to please God. We love him. It's an act of love. It's an act of gratitude. It's an act of just like, God, thank you. And so we need to think like that. So let's look at some verses here. It's talking about righteousness. Proverbs 15, verse 9, it says, The Lord detests the way of the wicked, but he loves those who pursue righteousness. And Jesus talks about it in Matthew 5, in verse 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And you go down to verse 10 in that same chapter. Jesus says, Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, but theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven belongs to the righteous. So we're not trying to get to heaven by trying to do a bunch of good stuff, because the Bible tells us it's not by works that we are saved. It's by the grace of God. So this is why we, this is why we walk in righteousness, because we are thankful for his love and his grace. We're just, ah, oh, this is what I want. This is what I want to be like Jesus. I want to be like Christ. This is what I want. And so we begin to walk in that. That's us. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven, when he came to the earth, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He was the one bringing that kingdom of heaven, the nature, the attitude, the kingship of God. And it starts now. It starts in us when we are walking in Christ, when we're walking in that righteousness. Because Christ is saying here, the kingdom of heaven belongs to the righteous. And so our righteousness comes from Christ. We walk in it. The kingdom of heaven is ours. That's heaven. That's us getting to heaven because it starts with us. It starts in that us walking in his nature. And I like this psalm here in Psalm, uh, psalm 15, the whole psalm, which is very short. And it says, Lord, who may dwell in your sacred tent? Who may live on your holy mountain? Now, this language here is just, is just basically talking about where God dwells, where he is. To those whose walk is blameless, who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from their heart. So that, to the psalmist here, David, he's talking about the righteous dwell with God. And he, now he starts to explain what a righteous person is. In verse 3, those whose tongues utter no slander, who does no wrong to a neighbor and casts no slur on others, who despises a vile person but honors those who fear the Lord, who keeps an oath even when it hurts and does not change their mind, who lends money to the poor without interest and does not accept a bribe against the innocent. Whoever does these things will never be shaken. The righteous dwell with God. So the kingdom of heaven belongs to the righteous and the righteous dwell with God. That's it. And so again, it's not about us following rules. It's about us letting Jesus make us new. Because remember, he's doing, he did this, this transfusion. He's taken our sin and Jesus given us his righteousness. And then we, as long as we abide in him and remain in him, that's it. That's our path. That's us united in this love with our Heavenly Father forever. Okay, so let's look at verse 8 in this passage that we're following here. And it says, the, the one who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil, or the devil's work. So this is strong. And I, I'd like, the, the language that the Apostle John is using here is just like, is just contrasting, black and white. Boom, right down the middle, dividing. And what he's doing here is he's talking to people in the church at this time, and even, even today, to look. He's, try, he's trying to show them, look, this is what a Christian is. This is how you walk with Christ. Anything apart from that, 
is not of Christ. And so he's just drawing it right down the line. We, so it's, it's human nature for us to kind of always want to have this gray area. We always want to kind of walk the fence and kind of see what we can get away with and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, that's just, he's just kind of just making it plain. And so this is really good. Um, and this is Jesus speaking in John verse 8, or chapter 8, I'm sorry. And just to bring it into context is Jesus is having this, this argument or kind of a dispute with these, uh, these religious leaders, these Jewish leaders. And, you know, he's claimed already that he is the son of God, basically, and that he's the Messiah, that he's of God, that God sent him, that he's speaking the truth, and, and they're not hearing it. They don't like him. They don't like what he's saying. They don't like anything about him. And basically, they want to kill him, you know, and Jesus knows that. And Jesus is like, and this, you hear what he says here, uh, verse 44, you belong to your father, the devil. You want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So we got to figure out who the devil is here. So we all kind of know the devil, you know, this kind of in our culture and all that stuff like that. And we always think about the, the little red man with the horns and all that kind of stuff. All of that came from what, you know, Greek mythology or whatever. That's, that's not it. So that's not how we should see him. But he's, he's basically this, well, let's look at it. So he is the enemy of God and humanity. He is the deceiver. He's on this conquest to deceive the world away from God and distorting God's truth. He's the adversary, the accuser. That's where we get the word Satan, Satan. You know, he's, the, uh, he's this enemy and accuser of mankind. He obstructs and opposes the will of God. He's the attempter. He's the slanderer. That's basically what devil means, slanderer. He slanders God to man and man to God. His intent is to turn us against God and God against us. And so when we read it in uh, Genesis chapter 3, when we see this mysterious creature called the serpent there, and we see what he's doing, his whole intent is to turn man against God and God against man by distorting the truth. This is the devil. This is his mission. This is his conquest. This is his work. And so Jesus came that he might destroy that work, destroy that work which he brought sin to humanity. He brought this twistedness, this, this, this twisting of the truth, and he's caused all kinds of problems. We could read more about the devil here, uh, a couple of verses here. So Revelation 12, verse 9, again, written by the Apostle John. And he says, the great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil, or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled on the earth and his angels with him. Second Corinthians 4, verse 4, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. And then lastly, 1 Peter 5, verse 8. It says, be alert and, sober, and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Stand firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. So the devil came and messed up God's plans. It was never God's intention for the world to be like it is today, like it is now. It's because of sin. It's because of this work of this enemy, this adversary, this devil, who is just hostile towards God. And we're not going to get into his reasons for doing all this, but we just know 
He doesn't like what, God had, what God's plans were. He doesn't like what God's plans were for in making us and creating us. So he messed all that up. But Jesus came to destroy all that the devil has done so that he can make all things right. Now let's look at the, uh, the last two verses of this study that we're doing here. In verse 9 it says, No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. So what does it mean to be born of God? So we can look at two, two different verses here in, um, in the, the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 12, and this is the Apostle John writes here, he says, Yet to all who did receive him, who did receive Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to be called to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. And then we also, we read this earlier um, in the, um, in the uh, previous weeks, 1 John verse two, chapter 2, verse 21, 29, it says, if you know that he is righteous, so if you know that Jesus is righteous, you know that anyone who does what is right has been born of him. And then we talk about this God's seed. What is this? So just, we can look at two different verses talking about God's seed. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23, it says, For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable seed, through the living and enduring word of God. And in James chapter 1, verse 18, it says, He, he chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all the created all that he's created. Uh, some of the verses will say of all his creation, of all cr uh, created creatures. Uh, go down to verse 21. It says, therefore, get rid of all immoral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and, humble, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. So this is, we're born of God, and this is the, this is the same thing that Jesus was talking about. So we, heard this, we hear this word born again, which comes from, uh, the Gospel of John. This is when Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, one of the, the Pharisees, and he's talking to him, and he's talking about, you know, you can't really get to heaven. You can't get to the Father without being born again. And so the way it's translated is it comes out born again, and this is and it's, it's the same Greek word, born again or born from above. It's the same. So that's why Nicodemus was like, what do you mean? I've got to go back to my mom's womb and be born again? And Jesus is like, no, that's not what I'm talking about. He's talking about you've got to be born from above. And also being born from above also means to be born of God. And so unless you are born of, of God, born from above, born again this way, you know, you won't see the kingdom of heaven. And so that's, this is what he's, what he's talking about here, being born of God. So the seed of God is this word of truth, the word that's in us. So the word of truth, which comes from Jesus, which also Jesus leaves, he gives us the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit gives us, gives us this word of truth, keeping it going in us. And so the word of truth becomes this instrument, the means by which God sanctifies us. So we're following his word. We're following his truth. That's that sanctification that we go through. So remember, the sinner has no passion, has no desire to be sanctified. I don't want to be changed. I don't want to be renewed. I want to do what I want to do. I want to go my way. 
whether I am opposing my will on other people, whether I'm killing, destroying, or whether I'm just, you know, rejecting God in my own innocent way. That's the way of a sinner. But a, a Christian, a righteous person who wants Christ, who wants God to sanctify them, who wants the word of truth living in them, they're going to be sanctified. They're going to be renewed. That's what they want. And so this is the life that we are, that we are to live, to be sanctified, to be renewed, to be changed, to be altered into the nature of God because that's where we're supposed to be. That's the reason why we were made, to be his children. That's the whole purpose of being born again. Okay, so let's look at, uh, lastly, verse 10. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. So plain and simple, and again, the Apostle John is just making it black and white here. He's just contrasting the difference between what is righteous and what is sin, the difference between what a child of God is and what a child of the devil is. So God is righteous. The person who lives in righteousness is a child of God. Simple. The devil is sinful. Someone who lives a sinful life is a child of the devil. Simple. Righteousness and sin do not go together. They're enemies. So, that's what that, so this is a basically the description, the picture that the apostle is putting here, and it's, and it's the truth. So anyone who does not love their brother or their sister, so what does that mean? So Jesus tells us about, you know, we read about in the Gospels, someone comes to Jesus and he's like, teacher, rabbi, what's the greatest commandment? You know, and Jesus says, well, actually, there's two of them. And he goes on to talk about love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. And the other is just like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus' whole picture is love God and love people. And so if anyone is not loving people, is not loving their brothers and sisters in Christ, and who are not loving others who could be their brothers and sisters in Christ, dude, you're not of God. And so God's whole purpose, Jesus' whole purpose is to love God with everything that you are, everything that you do, the way you think, the way you walk, the way you live, and love people. That's, that's his whole thing. And Jesus, all through the gospel, especially in the gospel of John, is talking about love, love each other, love each other, love each other, love God, love each other. He goes on and on about it. And so this is what a child of God is. This is what a person who walks in righteousness is. And so this is what John is trying to convey. So anyone who doesn't do that, it's not a child of God. So to sum it up here, sin causes us to do harm to others and ourselves. So remember that. If you're imposing your will on anybody, you know, it's sinful. This is the way of the devil. This is what the devil does. It's not what God does. And we can think, oh, God has his laws, and he's trying to make us do what he wants us to do, or he's trying to make us, no, he doesn't. He doesn't force us to do anything. That's why the world is the way it is today, because we do what we want. He gives us the freedom to do that. What he does is he's trying to show us, this is how you are to be. So if our self-righteousness is basically... This is how we, you ever try to hang a picture and you're thinking, yeah, that looks good, that's straight, you know, and you go back and, but you go and you get like a leveler and you put it on there and that bubble is way over there and you're like, man, I thought that was straight. That's how it, that's how it is when you compare yourself to the righteousness of God because we think, well, yeah, I'm a good person, I'm good, you know, I'm set. But you go and you look and you start reading the word and you compare yourself to Christ and you're like, ah, I am as crooked as can be. I'm not right. That's what, that's what it's all about and that's what the law of God did. So when, when God brought the Israelites the law, the commandments, and he was showing, okay, this is it. And they were just all jacked up, you know, they were just all messed up. So think about it. When you're, how do you straighten out a broken bone? 
how you straighten out your teeth, you know, braces, or you put a cast on. So humanity is broken because of sin. And so God brings his commandments, his laws, his perfectness, and he's trying to say, okay, put this on. And, you know, let me straighten you out. But we all want to go around with a limp. No, I'm cool. You know, you're broken. You know, you got to get fixed. Or you like your teeth all jagged. You know, God's like, let me straighten that out. You know, let me get my word in you. Let me get my nature in you. But yeah, we want to go our own way. And so that's, that's, that's what it means to be the walk in righteousness. Walk in righteousness is like, okay, put your cast on, put the braces on, put the level on, the ruler, you know, and let me straighten out here. Let me walk that. And um, because I want to do what's right. I want to glorify God. Ah, oh, this is right. Because I tell you what, living righteously is right, man. It feels good. You get that leg straight, you're going, man. You can run, you can jump, you can do all kinds of stuff. You get your teeth straight, you can smile, you know, and it's great. Let you, get, let you guys know this is all natural. No braces. My bottom teeth are not all that great, but my top teeth, because my mom pulled my teeth out. Bring them out, boy, get it out. You know, some of them kind of wait till the other teeth get pushed out and your teeth are all over the place and you got to get braces. So <laughs> this is what God does. Hey, your teeth are jacked up. Let's get, let's get it worked out. So God's trying to straighten us out. He's trying to get us on the right path so that we walk in that. Again, it's not about following rules. It's about saying, God, you saved me. You redeemed me. I want to walk in your ways. Also think about God's law, God's goodness. Let's bring it to the sports arena. So when we're, you think about a basketball court, it's laid out perfectly. It's got its measurements. All the, you know, the, the, uh, the, the net is up at a certain height, you know, 10 feet. I can't remember which one it is. Everything is set. And so this is the perimeter into which you play that game. On the football field, it's the same thing. Baseball field, same thing. Soccer field, same thing. Whatever sport you're playing, it's all measured out into these perfect measurements so that the game can be played within the context of the rules. And so the players get in there, and they, they do their thing, right? So we think about, and again, we're not talking, when the Apostle John here is not talking about us not living in sin, right? He is. We don't, doesn't mean that we're not going to mess up, is what I'm trying to say. So, of course, we have our struggles. We, a lot of us are going through life, and we're trying to have victory over sins in our life, you know, to get, get out of that. And I praise God that all the, I can just look back and see all the victories I've had. And even in the past several years, I'm just like, ah, oh, and it just feels so good to be free. It feels so good to finally have that, that broken leg, you know, metaphorically speaking, straightened out. Because I just kept on, kept on, kept on. And it kept happening, but it kept on, and I kept on. And it kept getting back up. And so this is what, and, and eventually, it was healed, it was gone, and it was just like, ah, and it was wonderful, and it was freeing, and it was like, ah, I'm not, not going to run, I'm just trucking, you know? And that's what God wants us to do. He wants to straighten us out so we can run towards him, so we can run and be glorified in his ways and, and who he is. So in the same way, with an athlete, we can think about Steph Curry, who's probably one of the best shooters in the NBA ever, um, NBA being the National Basketball League, professional basketball and the guy can just shoot. I mean, he just is he's, amazing. But he still misses. He still misses a mark. He still misses a goal. He's, he's shooting within the rules. In the context that everything is measured out, he's still shooting. But he still misses. Even when he's not contested, even when someone doesn't have their hand in his face, he'll still miss because he's not perfect. It's the same way we're walking as Christians. We're not going to always hit the goal, even though no matter how good we are, no matter how great we are, so to speak, um, we're still going to miss the mark because we're not perfected yet. You know, so we're still in these frail bodies, 
and we're still in this frail state, but our, our key is, is to keep going. So we think about these athletes, and we think about these musicians, and oh, oh man, they're so good, they're so great. It's because they practice. They put in the effort. You, you look at their scheme, you look at their, how they do stuff. I remember just thinking about like, uh, like J.J. Watt when he was playing here in Houston for the Houston Texans, the football team. And man, he was just a beast. But you, you, see, you see his practices and what he does and how long he practices and how much effort he puts in. It's just unreal. And you look at it and say, I ain't doing that. You know, and it's like, uh. And, but that's why. So we think about these people just roll out of bed and all of a sudden there's LeBron James, you know, and they just do it all. It's like these people are just like dedicated and they practice and they put in the effort and they put in everything they have to become the greatest. Michael Jordan, all that stuff. They just obsessed with it. So this is how we are to be with our walk with Christ. Become obsessed with him because you love him. You are passionate about him and you are just desire to be like him. Be like Jesus. And so that, that's, that's, your, that's our goal. We're not going to always hit every shot, but man, we're going to do as, we're going to make as many as we can until the day that we are glorified. So this is that whole sanctification process that the righteous person seeks and, to, and wants to go through. The, sin, the sinner doesn't. They just want to get on. They want everything planned out their way, and that's it. People who don't walk the way of God act as the devil acts. So think about that. So this is the way of the devil, is this self-seekingness. He rebels against God because he wants to do his will, because he hates the will that God has, because it didn't, it didn't involve, evolve, involve him. And so he imposes his own will upon us, upon others. And so people who, we act like this, if we act like this, we're acting like the devil. And so that's why John uses this term, and even Jesus had used that term against those, the, the Pharisees and the religious leaders saying, you're like your father, the devil, you know? The scripture said here, he has been sinning since the beginning. It didn't say that he sinned in the beginning. It means he sin he's been sinning since the beginning. It means he keeps on sinning. He knows his time is short. What he's doing is self-destructive. That's the way of sin. So when we have this sinful nature, we're self-destructing ourselves, just like the devil. So he knows his time is short. He knows it's not going to go well for him, but he's just going to keep on going because, and just like anyone who just rejects God, I don't care. I don't like God. I'm going to keep on going. Just self-destruction. And that's what the scriptures really mean when you, when you go into destruction, eternal destruction. It's just this, you're just going to where, you're just going into destruction. Your path of rebellion is destruction. And the scriptures make that clear. That's what hell is. It's terrible. So we may struggle and still wait for the, our victory over certain things, but even so, we abide in Christ and remain in him, and all things will be made right. Amen? So um, that's it. It's just a really good, really good um, thing to really focus on as believers, to know where we stand. So always remember, when a contractor is building a house, he's not winging it. You're just like, yeah, let me see. You know, because I know I'm a terrible builder. I'm, I don't, I can't really build anything. But I know what I try to do it like, yeah, that looks about right. You know, and you put it together and it doesn't work out because I didn't measure anything. I'm kind of eyeballing it. You know, I might have measured a little bit here and there just to kind of see, okay, yeah, it's cut just right maybe, but it doesn't work. That's why contractors and people who build houses and people who build things, they're using levels. They're using rulers. There's a standard. There's a guide. There's a, there's a way to do it so that everything is done right. It is structurally sound. And so that's what 
the law of God is. That's what the commandments of God, God is. It's that ruler, it's that definition, it's that standard that we, can, that we can abide by, that we can go by, that we can remain in so that our life is straight, so that we can have a guide that kind of keeps, you know, again, mending that broken leg. We're broken, so we need that mendment. We need that cast. We need those braces. We need, that, we need the rulers so that everything is built right. And again, we're going, when we start now, righteousness, the kingdom of heaven, comes, and we walk in that path towards eternal life, and it starts today, not after we die. Amen. So I'm going to pray, and um, we're going to take communion, and there it is. So if you haven't got your elements yet, uh, you can do so now. Father, we thank you so much for your goodness and your grace. We thank you, Jesus, for coming, that you've come and you've taken our sin, and you've changed us. You've taken our sin and you've given us of your nature, of your righteousness. And we thank you, God, that as long as we abide in you, as long as we're faithful to remain in you and to go after you and to pursue you in your ways, God, you are faithful to make us new, to make us this new creation, to make us this new person, and you be glorified. That we become your first fruits, this new creation, then we go into eternity, starting things afresh, to glorify you and to do what you first intended. And we pray, God, that you not only change us from the inside out, God, but you help us, God, to speak your truth, to live your truth, that you may be glorified in this world, and that all those who do not know you, who are away from you, God, may see, may see you and come to you and turn to you, for that is your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. All right. So we think about these elements here, communion. It's, it's kind of a perfect message for this communion because we're thinking about sin and all that kind of stuff. But we think about what Jesus did. And Jesus give us, gave his disciples and us today communion as this, um, this act of remembering him, remembering what he did on the cross, remembering his act of destroying the works of the devil, the act, his act of taking away our sin, his act of taking our sin and giving us his righteousness. This is what we remember this by. And it's by his bloodshed and it's by his body. So let me go ahead and pray over the elements here. Lord God, we thank you for sending Christ. We thank you, Jesus, for coming. We thank you, Jesus, for being sinless, for being perfect, for obeying the Father and doing the will of the Father and saving us and renewing us and redeeming us that we may be made righteous in you. And Lord, we thank you for your blood, Lord Jesus, which is the symbol of just washing away our sins, the remissions of sins. And we thank you for that, Lord. And we take this cup in Jesus' name. And we thank you for the body, which was broken for our sins, which the punishment for our sins was put upon your body, Lord Jesus, and destroyed. But we thank you, God. We thank you, Jesus, for taking on our punishment. And we take the bread in remembrance. Amen. Hallelujah. Prayer partners, go ahead and make your way to the front. And again, you guys have any needs of prayer, anything that you want these people of faith to believe with you um, on anything that's going on in your life or you don't know Jesus or you've walked away from Jesus, let it be this day that you just come and let them pray with you, let them believe with you and make all things right. So pray the best for you guys and you're dismissed. Amen.